Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. When you let go of control, ideally you want to let go of control to people who can do it better than you were originally doing it. And because they can do it better than you were originally doing it, there may be times where you feel tempted to like remind them like, hey, hey, I was, hey, I was doing this before you came along. You know what I mean? You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys for joining us. Today, I'm here with Nehemiah Mabry, who is the founder of STEM Media, which is also based here in the Raleigh, Durham area. And I said thank you so much for coming on with me today, Nehemiah. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Nehemiah is a man of many hats. Um, He is still a practicing engineer, um, in addition to being the founder of STEM Media, and he is growing his ed tech company. Uh, to really service um, the gap between uh, education and STEM and really uh, the visual side of things and the uh, kind of edutainment side of things, if you will, through his podcast, uh, through a show that he's produced with PBS, and probably so much more that we don't know about right now. (laughs) (laughs) So Nehemiah, if you could, for those who are listening and who maybe are interested in thinking about how they can use their profession and their skills and their knowledge to meet the gaps and meet um, the needs of people who are looking to learn and get into a certain career field. Can you talk a little bit about your transition from being a practicing, like full-time practicing engineer to saying, okay, I want to use my skills and educate other people about the work that I do. Totally. Totally. Well, I use this analogy, right? I know you, you know, you're a camp, you, you're a shooter, you do media, you do video production. Um, the lens makes a difference. The lens through which you see something makes a whole lot of a difference, right? And I feel like when I was growing up, I always looked at STEM, which is like the technical subjects, math, science, things of that nature, through a lens of creativity. Uh, I, I never really saw it as something separate. I saw them as tools to invent something, tools to create something, tools to make something work that was really based on an idea in my head. And so as I went to school, I always like found ways to like picture things and visualize things that were unique to me, but helpful in me understanding uh, engineering and those types of concepts. Um, But also what I felt were ways that other people could be inspired by it. And so as I got into my field, my goal was to really take a lot of what I saw in my head, um, which was edutainment, right? (laughs) And put it out into the world. And I think that that is, really, um, to answer your question, a way that other people can begin to think about their fields, right? It's a different lens of looking at things, not just as, hey, I got to get this this problem done, or hey, I just got to get this work done, or check, check, check. But ultimately, you're actually creating something, right? And you're creating something. So for me, I just continue to follow that passion to create. 
And it actually led me to move from creating and designing bridges, right, to designing ways to teach people about bridges. And so that's the, the really the real shift that made that I made as I began to build STEM media. Nice. Yeah, I think like sometimes, you know, that thing you can do like the back of your hand. Other people are yeah. like, how, you know, how can I do that? And a lot of people are visual learners. That's just the reality. You know, they may not be as good at sitting down and reading a textbook for hours on end and trying to right. like decipher that information and make it real for them. But if they see you do it, they see you talking about it, they see the way that you visualize the work that you do, that can mm -hmm. really bridge the gap between knowing and doing for them, right? And I think sure. that's what ideas are all about, is bridging that gap between, man, I've been thinking about this, and now I have the knowledge to execute on this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. So when it came time for you to create <laughs> STEM media in a legal sense, um, what yeah. was that like for you? Because to my knowledge, you had never owned a business before, right? I haven't. I, I didn't at that point. And you know, it's crazy because you have this perception that it's like so hard. Oh, how do you start a business? And, and then it comes down to just really a few basic steps that anybody could do to, as you said, formally form <laughs> a business. <laughs> and uh, I just learned that, yo, you go to the Secretary of State, you fill out a form, you you pay a, a, a nominal fee. The next thing you know, they're holding write that name for you, at least in your state. And then you apply for what they call an EIN number, which is like a social security number for your business and how they can track you tax wise. <laughs> and once you get that from the federal government, you are, you are officially a business. Now, when it comes to like selling and, and marketing and getting paid and growing and becoming more profitable, that's a whole nother art, right? And science. But the, the legal side of things are pretty straightforward. You get a bank account, Keep your money separate from your own, you know, personal spends, spending so you can very clearly see what was part of the business and what, what was not. Um, but here's the thing. Like people were saying I had a business before I had a business, Angela. And that's the part that really made me try to figure out, all right, what was this kind of like behind the veil process? And I discovered that it really wasn't that much. People were asking me, hey, I created this video when I was in uh, grad school about engineering. It went very well, won this contest. So people were like, hey, can you create this for this? Can you do this? How much do you charge? And at first I was like, I, you know, I just did it for a hobby. But it wasn't until, again, people began to approach me as if I had a business in a, in a very legal sense that I said, why don't I make this actually legit, you know? Um, and so that was the process. But it still was kind of daunting, if I'm honest with you. Like the day I was going to Secretary of State, I turned it in. I think I did like a camera phone video because I was like, oh, this is it. I'm about to, you know, and it was just all that. It was like, oh, OK, that's it. Get back to your grind, you know. But that was that's how it was for me. So when it comes to you kind of figuring out, um, OK, how do I make this a little more official? How do I standardize the processes that I use to sell and to market my business and to ultimately work on projects that I really am passionate about? Um, yeah. And that make me enough money to maybe go part time with being an engineer. What was that process like for you? How long do you feel like it took for you to really get comfortable in STEM media being like a money making business? Yeah, that's a good question, because I think because we were initially doing like video production, much like yourself, we were getting everybody who like, hey, I got this wedding. Hey, I got this bar mitzvah. Hey, I got this event. Can you do this? Can you edit this video? And at first I was just like, yeah, sure. Um, but I knew that I started this because I wanted to, uh, make STEM specifically come alive. STEM media was the name of the company. And so at first it was like, okay, how do I get people 
to know I'm not about to do your wedding. Like that's not my particular niche. And that, and that's the advice I'll make to other people, like get very clear on what market you're serving. And so I got very clear. I'm serving higher ed, people in education, people in the workforce that are trying to get more people in STEM because that was the initial goal of mine. I was still very much in engineering. I hadn't even finished my PhD at the time of engineering. And so it really came down to me just honing in and that helped, right? Because when things didn't align with what I was trying to do, I could easily pass on them. Mm-hmm. So that that was like uh, more than half the battle, knowing what to say no to. Um, but when it comes to actually making money, then it became like, all right, let me see how much the market can really take. All right, I charge three hundred dollars. All right, five hundred dollars. Right, you you start trying to see what the market because that's that's what it is. Like it's feedback, and sometimes we get offended when people are like, "Nah, I'm not paying for that." It was like that's just like what they see the value is, and so for me, it was getting. And it was getting an idea of how much I should charge and then also trying to find the right people who may have had the grant funding or had the budget to be able to pay for the things that I wanted to do. And, um, yeah, it, it kind of snowballs from there. So in terms of the how soon did I get comfortable, I probably got comfortable. Let me be honest with you, probably two, three years because I was still in grad school and I was still trying to get schooling done still running the business on the side. But when I graduated, it's like I felt free. I didn't have to do it undercover <laughs> or whatever the case may be. So that's when I got comfortable. Okay. I feel like that, that sounds about right. Like that checks. Yeah. Like, you know, I think like the expectation is like, as soon as you file for your LLC and get your EIN, you're going to be out to the races. Everything yeah. figured out. Yeah. Everything's good to go. You know, you're already nah. profitable. And that's really not mm-hmm. the case for yeah, most people. Yeah. wasn't the case for me. So. It wasn't the case for me either. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. You um, get those projects, just to speak on that a little bit more, you get those projects where like, how much am I making from this again? And like, <laughs> you did way more work than it was worth. And then even that, you're like, all right, something, something's got to give because I don't know if this is actually how it's supposed to be. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. You're like, how can I get this sustainable? Especially when you're starting part time. It's like, yeah, I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be a lot yeah. of work, but I also know there are people out there doing it. So they can do it. I can do it. I just need to figure yeah. out how in a way that works for me. Um, so when you finally got your PhD, I say finally, I'm sure it was a long time. Oh, it, it probably felt in my So when you got it and you're like, okay, I want to use this degree that I put in all this time and effort to get, but I also want to bridge that with this creative passion that I have and this business that I have. Mm-hmm. What was that conversation like for you and for your family and for like the people in your life that have been supporting you up until that point? Yeah, well, I definitely wanted to get a return on investment on that degree. So I, I went right into industry and got a job. And so it wasn't like I, I graduated and I went straight into full-time entrepreneurship at that time. So I did go and take a salary, as you said, work part-time on the business. Um, and it worked out well because while I wasn't necessarily competing with my engineering firm, the skills and the services I was providing through STEM Media was complementary. It still had a lot to do with understanding engineering. It still kind of involved some of the same network of individuals where over here, they're looking for design services. And then over here now, these same people are looking for ways to communicate the situation. So there were certain situations where, um, yeah, I mean, hey, the firm works over here. And then like a contact will remember me from the firm as an engineer and say, hey, can you make a video for this program? And so those are the things that like really worked out um, well for me. Um, but nevertheless, you know, I, I had to make sure that the wires didn't cross. I didn't do like video editing at the company or anything like that. Um, but 
for me, it was really a goal of getting closer and closer to that career or my day being something that I could say, start top to bottom. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I want to do. This is kind of like uniquely me. Uh, doesn't mean it's not hard, but it's still uniquely me. And I knew it had something to do still with the world of engineering and the world of STEM that I was a, uh, a practitioner in. But um, I still had this you know, desire to empower people, inspire people inside of me that I wanted to kind of increase the capacity in my career. So you talked a little bit about the challenges that you had first trying to kind of balance, you know, your career, you know, your engineering yeah. career with kind of like getting STEM media off the ground and making sure there's wires to cross. What would you say is one of the hardest things since going full time for you with STEM media or not even just one of the hardest, one of the things that you dislike the most that you know you absolutely need to do for your business? Yeah, since going full time, I would say that <clears throat> the biggest challenges for me have been mental and emotional. And I, I try to be as transparent with that as possible because there's a certain sense of security you get when you got a job and that paycheck or that direct deposit is hidden on a, a consistent basis. And not just financially, right? But when it comes to just, hey, there's somebody else that can worry about the business when you just don't care about it. You can go in and do your thing. Like that doesn't leave. Um, and because it doesn't leave and because you are the founder and CEO, that means that no one else is going to worry about the business like you are. And so then that can be very lonely, right? And you can start wondering like, yo, I'm over here by myself, like just kind of plowing away in the dark. And so, you know, things like mental health, physical health, um, feedback, looking for ways to get feedback, honest feedback that is going to help you, but at the same time, not crush you. Right. Like all these types of things you're balancing from a mental and emotional standpoint. Those have been the hardest parts. I think when it comes to being more profitable, those are still challenges as well. But I think those are there's formulas involved in that. Right. Like there's formulas you can go and say, all right, let me increase my prices or let me find let me pitch more or let me grind through that. And that is that is good because that comes to a lot of like just pushing yourself to the limit. But as you push yourself to the limit, as you continue to pursue all the more that emotional and mental state becomes very important to stay to stay on your square. So I like to say that because that's the thing that people probably don't realize for me has been more challenging. Yeah. And how have you been working through that? Hopefully in a healthy way. Please don't tell me you started drinking. Happy. Oh, I was at the gym. <laughs> Listen, I was at the gym right before we hopped on this. Okay. I was at the gym, you know, listening to a podcast. I was, you know, that's important. Right. And it feels lonely. But, you know, what you can do sometimes instead of maybe the coworker that understands what you're going through, you can get online and listen to some other entrepreneurs, right? Talk about their struggle or you can get in a part of like other groups and, and things like that. Because while you all are in different companies, there are some similarities among entrepreneurs that then it may feel like, OK, I'm not that alone, even though they're working on a whole nother business and their business could be killing it. <laughs> Yours is not killing it that you can find some of that camaraderie. So I look for that online podcasts like this shout out to yours honey and hustle <laughs> uh and yeah th these are things like that that are incredibly important so shout out to all our entrepreneurs watching this right now as a form of dealing with again that mental and emotional um so yeah no that's good that's good i definitely say like i can identify with that i think there's always that phrase like oh if you're the smartest person in the room you shouldn't be in that room and it's like sometimes yeah. Sometimes that gets comfortable because see when you're in the room yeah. with people who are like crushing it and we're in the triangle for people watching this, like there's 
millionaires yeah. walking around. Oh, like, oh man, Everywhere. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's people who are a thousand percent crushing it in their yeah. entrepreneurial pursuits. Yeah. And so, like, when you're not there, it can be very intimidating. And to that point, it's like sometimes you have to like be cognizant of what you're letting into your yeah. mental space because it's like, yeah. man, you see somebody doing so much better than you all the time. Yeah. That yes. can feel like I'm not getting there fast enough, and you start yes. taking your eyes off of your own race. And so that can be that can be really hard. You kind of have to temper that with like, okay, who are yeah. the people beside me that are kind of yeah. doing at a similar level? Who are the people doing much better than me? Who are the people who are maybe just starting out that um, mm-hmm. are doing things a different way that I did it when I started? Um, yeah, and just kind yeah. of learning at all these different levels, but. Yeah, it's you got to navigate. It's something to navigate for sure. And like I said, like the feedback is good, but then like if it's like too much, sometimes it's like that did the opposite. That made me feel, <laughs> you know what I mean. And then the inspiration is good, but it's like don't over inspire me because then I'm gonna sit here and be like, what, what am I doing my life? You know what I mean? <laughs> like you got to get just the right amount of doses. You know your uh, what is it? Like a nutritional chart for your mind and spirit, right? Yeah. It's that you gotta make sure you're just eating the right things and you let the right things into your space. Um, to keep you, you know, keep you sane, but also keep you motivated. I know, I know this is getting really good, but I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the show. Whether you're a day one fan or day 100 fan, I'm so glad that you found Honey and Hustle and have decided to stick along for the ride. As a thank you, I wanted to give you a little gift that this show has so graciously given me. The ability to continue to connect with thought leaders, industry leaders, business owners, and other entrepreneurs, no matter where I am. Link offers a digital business card that is a natural extension of my website and social media platforms that allows me to easily send people to strategic landing pages so they can learn a little bit more about me, the resources I offer, and how we can continue to stay connected. When you click the link below in the description, you'll get 15% off any of their wearables, phone taps, and hopefully the last physical business card you'll ever need. When you do this, I get a little percentage back at no extra cost to you, which helps me continue to host guests and industry leaders so they can give you advice and help you crush the hustle. Thank you so much again for supporting the show and our show sponsor, Link. All right, let's get back into it. So speaking of people doing extremely well, as I introduced Nehemiah, I mentioned that he is producing a show for PBS. So can you talk Mm -hmm. to me a little bit about how that partnership came to be? A little bit about the host of the show, that whole magnificent, beautiful situation you have going on. Oh, man, listen. Well, I appreciate you saying extremely well. You know, it feels (laughs) different. It's all relative. (laughs) But no, this is I have some incredible partners, uh, some co-producers on the show. Um, One by the name of Justin Schaefer and Stephanie Castillo, who is um, who is also kind of a part of this. So PBS, they've been able to do some work. Um, As you know, STEM Media for years now has been building like a track record on um just online through the content we put out events we put out and so those were contacts that they had from past events they were able to see still media's track record and then they kind of reached out and said um you know hey we would like you all to maybe produce a show and they had an idea already but they wanted us to kind of help flesh out an idea that they already had and so what we did was we got the three of us got together we kind of you know started kind of thinking about ways we wanted the show to look feel the style format and uh, from there <clears throat> we started thinking about okay who can host this who can capture this vibe and the beauty about that right when you're looking for talent so to speak you know you have a lot of people on social media that kind of already have like audition reels 
right there on Instagram or right there on TikTok. And you can just kind of reach out and say, hey, we're doing this project. Would you be interested? And so we were able to link up with this incredible, um, incredible Dr. Tina Lassisi, who is a biological anthropologist. Um, as we talked about this show called Why Am I Like This? Who's fantastic, not just in the science, but in her delivery of the science. Um, <clears throat> for a long time, I had been working with, I would say long time, but prior to this, I had been working with Taylor, Taylor D. Adams for a while, who's a phenomenal, just all around producer. He's great behind the camera, fantastic editors, one of the best editors I've ever worked with. Um, and so, you know, extended the opportunity to him to come on board and got another partner uh, that he knew, Keaton Lusk, who, who's great on sound, sound engineer. And really, just the six of us kind of linked up and uh, started making it happen. We started making it happen. Start producing the show. Right now, it's still live. We still have some episodes to drop. It's on PBS Terra YouTube channel uh, called Why Am I Like This? By Dr. Helsted by Dr. Tina Lassisi, produced by STEM Media, and all the phenomenal people I just mentioned. And yeah, it's been going well. Great reception. Yeah, just really happy about that opportunity. When it came to, I guess... so. For some reason, I, I zeroed on that question. I'm going to have to ask you again what the second part of that question was. That's okay. But the releasing control part, um, you have to be, you have to let go of your ego, first of all, because when you start a business, you're doing everything. You're editing, you're shooting, you're scouting, you're logistics, you're doing the accounting, the budget, like everything. But at the end of the day, you're limited. You're finite. You can't do but so much. So you have to let go of control. So let's just talk about that, first of all. But when you let go of control, ideally, you want to let go of control to people who can do it better than you were originally doing it. And because they can do it better than you were originally doing it, there may be times where you feel tempted to like remind them, like, hey, hey, I was, hey, I was doing this before you came along. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, but if you do that, now you can kind of insert your ego back into it, which can really sabotage what you're trying to do. And so it, it, it's a process of constantly reminding yourself that you have to let go in order to go up at times, you know, and somebody put it to me like this, like get to a point where you can fire yourself from certain roles and hire somebody better than who was doing that role before, which was you. Right. Like so and that is actually the sign once you can get comfortable with that. And I still have moments. I, I feel like I'm a lot more comfortable now with that. But there's still moments where you got to remind yourself, like, this is part of the process. There's another one, the founder's paradigm. People can look that up, right? It's this thing where it's like, all right, you want to be a king or you want to be rich? Like, what do you want to be? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like, all right, cool. You could actually probably maintain, very, very small people maintain full control and actually hits their potential. So it's like the potential on one axis and then there's like control on the other axis. And you got to move to a place to where your potential can go up, but you can let go a little bit of the control so that you can ultimately get to the place where um, where you believe that your company can be. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. And what was the other part of that question? No, I'm <laughs> the other part of the question was, how did you go about cultivating these relationships with the people that you are hiring? Because I think, at least for me and a lot yeah. of other people, once you leave yeah. a full-time job and start running your own business, hiring wasn't something you had to worry about. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Whoever yeah. your coworkers were, they just showed up one day. You, know? you didn't pick them. Right. No, you and didn't. If you didn't like them, then it's like, man, you know. Yeah, but now it's. I'm like not gonna talk to you. I'm going over here and do my thing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You really didn't have to have a relationship with everybody you worked with. Yeah. You really didn't have to have a hand in who you worked with. 
But now yeah. that's all different. And now it's up to you to kind of put the puzzle pieces together about how all these people are going to fit to for your company to reach the goals that it has. So yeah. how is that that kind of like mental puzzle work for you? Yeah. I, well, you said it. Relationships are key. And it, this type of question, I, it's one of those areas where it's like, honestly, I'm still trying to figure it out. So like, I don't want to act like I have all the answers. Um, but relationships are key. And I consider myself extremely blessed to have had the relationships that I currently have in the space that STEM media exists. And that's the intersection between science, technology, engineering, math, but also creativity and media and production. And so um, I've been able to do like short term projects. Like we have a summit called the STEM Success Summit <clears throat> that was started back in 2019. It really started as an opportunity to collaborate with several other individuals who are in their own way creating platforms and media uh, around this idea of elevating and empowering STEM. And that gave an opportunity to kind of get to meet no people. In addition to that, um, prior to this, I started a thing called STEM Media Live, which was kind of like a podcast like this, right? And I just kind of reached out to people in the community and had interviews with them. And those are ways that relationships got started. You know, being active and really like even just doing things for fun can help establish relationships. Now, when it came to the business side of things, though, um, it did. I am learning even more so that that needs to be strategic. And what I mean by that is sometimes you can be really cool with somebody, but they may not be, they may not have the skill set that your business actually needs right now. And sometimes people make a mistake of just hiring somebody that they just cool with, they just kick it with, we have fun. But then it's like, well, you actually kind of adding dead weight on the business side of things. Whereas if you are patient sometimes and you just pay attention to not just how well you get along with someone, but just like what type of skills they bring to the table, that's where you can be a little bit more strategic and you can extend the invitation to certain people because um, business is about becoming a well-oiled machine that's sort of like producing something that people are continuing to pay for at a high level. And if you only hire homeboys and your homegirls, that's not necessarily the formula for success. You know what I mean? It could be if everybody has complementary skills, but you have to ask yourself that question. Yeah. And I think... Um, one thing that your comment reminds me of, it's like when businesses have huge layoffs and people are like, well, you mess with these many people's livelihoods and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And part of me, and I hate that I think this, but part of me is like, if a business realizes that it can do the same amount of work, have the same amount mm -hmm, of output, mm -hmm. same amount of profit with yeah. 100 less employees, it's yeah. going to do that yeah, because a business yeah. is not meant to be. Not its sole purpose is not meant to employ people. Its sole purpose yes. is to make money and to grow. Make money, yeah. And and I hate that it's like that. It's for people that get laid off. But you know, considering so much is tied to your employment, I see why people are upset. I'm not saying people shouldn't be upset for getting laid off sure, in a mass sure, hiring. Sure. But yeah. the reality is, a business is meant to be profitable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if there, if things are not working with an employee for whatever reason, with a section of the team. And they know mm -hmm. that they have to go, like, they're going to do that. If that means yeah. saving the business and getting it back to a point where it's profitable again. And that can also be, like, a hard thing, too, as someone who's work with people that I no longer mm -hmm. work with. It's like, it's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're maybe even bad employees. But for right yeah. now, this isn't the best fit for what the business needs. And having those hard conversations is not easy. Not something I was necessarily prepared for. But not, yeah. it's something that has to be done. So. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to talk more with you about that offline too. I won't, I won't <laughs> pick the interview. Okay. But I got, I'm just curious, just curious about, it. yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, happy to share. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so going back to happier things. Yeah. <laughs> so we talk about doing some of the overarching planning for your business. So for people who are watching, listening to this, we're recording this in December. So this is. A lot of times for myself and probably other people, other business owners, you start to reflect on how the year went, Mm -hmm. what things went well, what things could be improved, what things just didn't go well, what changes you want to make to help the business continue to be lean and grow and be successful in the new year. What are some things you tried that maybe you felt like were successful and you want to implement at a higher level in the new year? All these type of things. So for you, when you think about your planning process and like, the growth trajectory and really doing big picture thinking. What mm-hmm. does that process look like for you? Yeah, we're shifting in the direction of ad tech, right? And that is a business that is scalable, not solely based on every time we produce a piece of content, but also the ability to be able to leverage the same content to multiple customers. And one of the ways, well, there are a number of ways businesses are ours can be monetized, right? You can get sponsorships. You can charge subscriptions to individuals. You can charge uh, subscriptions to institutions. You can provide SaaS, as they say, SaaS software as a service. And one of the things that, since our goal is really to elevate and empower the individuals, the students, and the professionals, we really want to become um, a platform that or institutions that benefit from hiring or educating even this same demographic that we want to empower can become our core customers. And so we're looking to to build a platform. We already have an MVP right now, an app that's on the app stores that is right now, I say MVP, minimal viable product for the content distribution. But we want to continue to leverage that and build that out to where it is valuable for people who, who need the talent that we're engaging, the talent that we're educating. And so that's the big picture goal, to be able to get to a point to where we are scalable Again, not just on the shooting, the editing, the producing, but the here's the content and here are multiple ways we can monetize and leverage that content to, to grow. And that's where we're going. So talk about firing myself as I hire people. Um, I want to get to a point to where, you know, not STEM media is fired totally per se, but the regular ongoing grind of the production schedule is largely replaced or leveraged for greater return um, over the long haul. And so that's the big picture. I, I want STEM media to be the ESPN, the Disney, the MTV of STEM, right? I'm getting into my visionary bag now. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like these are brands, and I'm going to be honest with you, where I don't remember when they didn't exist. But can you imagine there was actually a time when there wasn't a channel like MTV? There was a time where there was like this imaginary place of where imagination runs wild, like the Disney. There was a place where there literally was no 24-hour sports. You know, we got tons of them, right? I want that to become a STEM media, become a brand that's synonymous with this new vision of what STEM looks like. That's creative, that's empowering, that's inspiring, that's edifying, that's educating, that's that's allow people to reach their potential while also be themselves. And to the point that somebody can say, look, I don't even remember a time when, you know, I actually had to look for places to find this dope STEM content. It's Mm -hmm. always, the media has always been there. Yeah. 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 All right. There we go. There we go. We got yeah. the big picture thinking here. Hopefully it gives somebody else <laughs> some ideas on 
where they can take their creative business. And thank you so much for joining me here today, Nehemiah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I listen. That was a, this was an honor, it was a privilege. I appreciate and admire the work you've done. Um, and yeah, I look forward to just collaborating and connecting even more. Absolutely, absolutely.